Amen, amen. How amazing is it that we serve a God that answers? God who answers. And you know what? I know that it can be frustrating sometimes because we're trying to figure out what that answer is or what it means. And that's the problem is that we're not called to, 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 to know, to understand the answer. We're, we're called to know and trust that God has the answer and that he will give us the answer. And as we do that, that's how we grow in faith. That's how we grow in faith. And so if you find yourself just being frustrated with not understanding life, some of the things that you've gone through, not understanding some of the answers that, that, uh, that uh, you've faced so far, then you've got to let that go. You've got to let that go and trust that God has the answer and it's going to come to pass. So as we were trying to figure out exactly what I was going to talk about for prayer here today. That was very difficult. You know, it's kind of like asking you guys, man, tell me your favorite song or tell me your favorite movie. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's, man, I have a hard time with that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just going to sit there and rattle off some things that aren't really my favorite just because I don't know how to cipher through the ones that are my favorite. And that's how it was when Phil asked me to talk about prayer here today. I was like, oh, man, that's so big. I just don't really know what to say. And one night we were putting the kids to bed, and, and, and I was just laying there and just thinking. And I was just going through all these things about prayer and, and God, like, what do you want me to, to talk about here today? And, I, and, and, and all of a sudden, I felt God show me these arrows. And show me four arrows. And each arrow represented a different aspect of my life that has been impacted because of prayer. And that's what I want to share with you guys here this morning. Kind of four areas in my life where I've seen progress because of the power of prayer. I want to start here with a quote from Emmy Andros. And here she says, there's no other activity in life so important as that of prayer. Every other activity depends upon prayer for its best efficiency. I'll read that one more time. There's no other activity in life so important as that of prayer. Every other activity depends upon prayer for its best efficiency. So what is that saying? What does that mean? It, it's, it says that it determines every other aspect of our life. Prayer, the kind of spouse that we're going to be, kind of parent that we're going to be, kind of employee, kind of friend, whatever you're looking at, whatever goals you have, all that is going to be dependent upon what does your prayer life look like? What does my prayer life look like? And if you want the best in all those areas, get in that prayer closet. Pray. Pray every day. Make it a consistent thing in your life. So if you want the best, then just like Pastor Phil's been talking about, 2018, let's step up our prayer game. That doesn't mean that we have to go from, oh, man, I haven't really prayed at all to I need to pray five hours a day. No. Whatever it looks like, make it a few minutes. Just start there. A few minutes before you step out the door. And then once you get there, make it 10 minutes. Then make it 15, 20, 30, an hour, however far you want to go with it. But start small. Start small and start consistent and build from there. So again, when I looked at how prayer has impacted my life, I saw four areas. The first area, first arrow that I want to talk to you guys is pointing backwards. So the first area that how prayer has impacted my life is from my past. Prayer has helped me overcome my past. I have another quote from Emmy Andros, popular person here today. And it says this, If the Christian does not allow prayer to drive sin out of his life, sin will drive prayer out of his life. Like light and darkness, the two cannot dwell together. 
Again, if a Christian does not allow prayer to drive sin out of his life, sin will drive prayer out of his life. Like light and darkness, the two cannot dwell together. If it had not been for prayer, I know that all my crying out to God, that it would have been overwhelmed by all my past mistakes and failures. If I would have not just cried out to God when I needed him most, I know that that darkness would have overcame the light. Guaranteed would have overcame the light. If it wouldn't have been for prayer, darkness would have taken over and I would have stayed there. I've shared with you guys before uh, part of my story and going about, uh, uh, out to Kansas to pursue sports. And it was a really dark moment in my life, a moment where I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of poor decisions. And mainly the root of it all was because God and prayer went from being the most important thing to my life to not important at all. And it all started there. And from there, the darkness started to overcome the light. And so as I came back home from Kansas, wanting to get back, uh, back right with God again, and I'm confessing my sins to God, and I'm trying to move forward, I could not overcome all the shame and all the guilt that I was facing. I felt stuck. I felt no matter how hard I was trying to move forward with God, all the bad things that I did, all the people that I hurt, that I couldn't get over all that shame and all that guilt. So if you're struggling with your pastor this morning, I want to let you know that the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you right where you are there stuck, while God, on the other hand, wants nothing more than to set you free from that. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive that and cleanse us from it all. So whatever we offer up to God, when we confess it to him, it says that he is willing to forgive all that, to give you a clean slate, to act like it never happened before. And it all starts with prayer. It all starts with the confession. Without prayer, we are stuck and the enemy wins. God offers to cleanse us from it all. But really, if we want to move forward and not be stuck, even after our confession of our sin, I believe there's four things that we got to do to really move forward away from our past, away from our sin. So after we confess, there's something else that we got to do. The first thing that we have to do is pray for strength to turn from our sins. Acts 3.19 says this, Therefore repent and turn back that your sins might be blotted out. You see, there's no point of confessing our sins to God, asking for forgiveness, if we're going to forget the most crucial part of that. And that's turning from it. Repenting. To repent from it means to turn away from that sin and to move forward. Away from that sin and towards something else. So pray and ask God what that turning looks like for you. Because it's different for each and every one of us. But I know the first thing that we have to do is realize that we cannot do it on our own. On our own strength. That we need God. That we need his help to turn from our sin. After that, pray and ask what's next in the turning for you. It could be getting plugged in at a local church, at a connect group. It could be going to membership class and starting to serve at the church. One thing, though, that I would encourage all of us that's even probably more important than all that is find someone that you admire their spiritual walk with God and meet with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Allow them to disciple you. Just pick their brain. Ask them their story. And I want to encourage you that a, great, that a great way for you to grow is for you to do the same thing. 
Some of us feel like we have to have a PhD in order to sit down with someone and talk to them about Jesus. I want to let you know that the moment that you accept Jesus into your life, you have a story to share. At that moment, you have a story to share. You have someone to sit down with and tell them what led you to that moment. What was it like before and what was it like after? You have something to share. And now I would encourage you to, you know, dig super deep into the Bible, something that, 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 uh, that uh, you uh, might not be too sure about and making up your own theology. You know, wait for that, but start with your testimony, what God has done in your life. The second thing that we need to do in order to make progress from our past sin is pray and declare to see yourself as God sees you. See yourself, not as you see you, not as others see you, but pray to ask God to give you the strength to see yourself as God sees you. Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. At that moment, Jesus had not done a single thing in ministry yet. He hadn't performed a single miracle, gained a single disciple, but yet God says, I am well pleased in my son. I am well pleased. And, and, and then I, and I think to myself, like, what was so pleasing? And, and in my eyes is that at this moment, Jesus is accepting his call, into, to, accepting his call to start his ministry. And so it made me think of us, that God is, is pleased with us that moment you choose to accept him. He's proud of that moment. He's not looking at your past moments. He's not looking at your past moments there. But that moment when you choose to accept him, he is saying, I am pleased with you at that moment. Now let's move forward, away from the past, away from the past now. So as I came back home from Kansas... And as I was dealing with the shame and this guilt, I, I felt stuck. I could not move forward. As bad as I wanted to get right with God again and get back on the right track, I just felt like I was just stuck, like I was just in a cage. And then finally, someone shared with me this passage that I just read with you. And he said, Mikey, it wasn't what you did before that, 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 uh, that, uh, that's why God loved you, because those good things that you did. That's not why he loved you. He loves you because you're choosing him right now. Right now, he loves this moment with you. And that is what really helped me separate my past, be able to let go of my past, be able to move forward with him, to know that he was proud of me at that moment, despite of all my past mistakes. The third thing that we need to do to move away from our past is pray and ask the forgiveness from others. We had to pray and ask forgiveness from others. Matthew 6.15 says this, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespass. He's saying that if we as believers are not able to forgive others who have wronged us, then God can't forgive us of our sins either. And it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I mean we don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve that. I mean, we turn our back almost on a daily basis, but yet there God is the moment that we choose to accept them again to forgive us. The moment that we repent, turn away from our sins, he's forgiving us again. We don't deserve that. Others feel the same. Others feel the same. So we have to be able to forgive others their sin towards us. I know that's not easy because some of us have been hurt deeply, have been hurt deeply. 
But we have to pray. That's why I'm not asking you to muster up your own strength. But I'm telling you to pray and ask God to give you the strength to forgive those that have hurt you. So that you can truly walk away from that past and move forward. Think of that incredible feeling of freedom and fresh air that you felt when your sins were forgiven. And that is what is waiting again for you and for the other person when you forgive them their sin toward you. And I remember the very first time that I ever experienced this in my life. I was traveling at the time. It was towards the end of my senior year at high school. And one of my boys, or who I thought was my boys, wronged me. He did something really bad. And, and, and it, it, it was something that I held a grudge in my heart towards him so hard that, man, if I saw him on the street, I'm not sure what would have happened. I mean, I, I, mean I, I was heated about what this guy did me, who I thought was my friend. And so I leave. I'm traveling. I'm actually in North Carolina at the moment. And MySpace is popular at this time. And so I remember at that moment, here I am traveling with the evangelist, you know, doing God's work, and I'm holding this grudge in my heart towards this guy. And it's just eating at me. You know, just, 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 when, just when you have some type of conflict with someone, you're laying up at night, and it's hard to sleep sometimes. You just, can't, you just can't stop thinking about it. That was me. Finally, one day, back in North Carolina, I felt God say, today, you need to end it. Today, you need to ask for his forgiveness, for the grudge that you hold in your heart. But I was like, God, I'm holding his grudge because of what he did to me. He, that he, like, he should ask my forgiveness. I was heated. And God was like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Is that what, is, is that what I do to you? No. You need to swallow your pride, humble yourself, and ask for him to forgive you of the grudge that you've been holding against him. So I mustered my courage, and I decided to send him a MySpace message the time. If you guys remember that, I sent them a nice long MySpace message, and I said just that. I said, hey, you know what? This went down. It really hurt me. And from that moment, I had this huge grudge against you. And man, I just couldn't even stand to see you. But I want to let you know that I forgive you of everything that happened. I'm asking for you to forgive me for the grudge I held against you. I ran into him at, a, at like a concert or some activity a year later. And we gave each other a hug. We sat down and talked. And I'm not saying that that's how your story is always going to end. We're not in control of the outcome. We're in control of asking the forgiveness and seeing what God does after that. It's not up to us. It's up to him. He'll do something good. I promise you that. And the fourth thing that we need to do in order to turn from our past is pray and remember the power of his grace. The power of God's grace. Remember it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you choose to accept Jesus, the old is gone and you are a new creation. That's how God sees you. That's how we need to see ourselves. And that is called grace. We don't deserve it, but God gave it to us anyways. And we need to remember that on a daily basis, the power of God's grace. So every time Satan tries to send you that negative reminder from your past, immediately pray and thank God for his grace that you are a new creation. I remember reading The Wild Goose Chase by Mark Batterson years ago. And he got to this moment that was really powerful. He was talking about how when we sin and we ask for forgiveness, 
and we turn and, and, and then we repent from those sins, we have two choices to make, right? The first choice is we can stay, uh, uh, stay in, that, in, that, in that cage of shame and guilt, or we can choose to accept God's grace that we don't deserve and fall even more in love with God. That's our choices. And it seems like an easy choice to make, right? Like, why would we want to stay shameful and guilty when we have this free offer of forgiveness and experiencing God's love? And, but it's just not that easy sometimes. Sometimes it feels like we just, just that we need to choose the shame, the guilt, that that's what we deserve. But you got to understand, that's what the enemy is trying to tell you, to keep you right where you are, stuck in your past. When God is saying, no, fall more in love with me by accepting my grace right now. Right? So let's meditate on that. Let's think of that daily of how powerful, how mighty God's grace is in our life. The second area now that I want to go to or the second arrow that I want to turn to here and how prayer has impacted my life is an arrow point to the right. And that is in connection with others. It has been my experience that one of the best ways to connect with others is through prayer. Whether you're praying for someone or praying with someone, prayer has the capability to, to connect with others like nothing else. Over 40 times in the New Testament, Paul, who authored 13 of the New Testament books, wrote out his prayers to the people he was writing to. And I believe that in a way, as he was writing those prayers, he was connecting with those people. He was connecting with those churches that he was writing to. And when we pray with or for others, I believe there's two paramount things that takes place. The first thing is that when we pray with or for others, I believe that there's a spiritual bond being forged with that other person. My wife and I, we pray together always. Unless we pass out, putting the kids to, 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 uh, to sleep at night, we are praying together on a nightly basis. And that all started from our first year of marriage, like, a, like a she shared with you. It was scary. We were young. We were broke. I mean, we, we, we uh, moved from, from, uh, from the Bay Area to uh, Southern California the very next day after we got married. And uh, it was scary. We didn't know a single person. We didn't have a single we were, we, we, we went from knowing a bunch of people, having a big family, to not knowing a single person and really not knowing what to do. We just knew that God had called Jerry to law school. And at that moment, I was like, I'll follow. I'll go with you. And so it was scary. And so during those times when we are having financial problems, I remember every single night, I would kneel on one side of the bed. She would kneel on the other side of the bed. We would stretch our hands out. And we would hold hands across the bed, and we'd cry out to God because we were just in a desperate state. I mean, we were crying out to God like, God, we need you right now. We have this going on, that going on, that going on. And then, you know, that went for, our, for, for uh, however long it went. And then we said amen, and then, and then we got up, and then I told her this so many times. I was like, man, I don't know what it is, but every time we pray together, I feel like I'm more in love with you. Seriously. And I'm not just saying that, guys. Man, pray with your spouses. Pray with your girlfriends. Pray. I'm telling you, there's, there, there's some type of spiritual connection going on that is powerful. Yeah. And also, not just that, but, you know, growing up here, going to Logan, uh, playing sports there, I had the opportunity that I'm so thankful for, and it didn't matter if it was on the freshman team, JV, varsity, football, basketball, or baseball, but I was always asked to, to, to pray before every game. 
And literally from my freshman year and my senior year, no matter what sport it was, we prayed as a team before every single game. And um, what I would tell them uh, before the very first time that we prayed together, very first game of the season, I, uh, uh, I would tell them saying, guys, look, we're not here praying so that we will win this game, but we're here to pray so that we'll grow closer together as a team. You know, I, I told him that I believe, you know, that, uh, that uh, old saying, you know, family that prays together stays together. I was like, I, I believe that as we're praying together right now, that, that we're building a unity that's going to help us go out there and perform. And it's the same thing. We're praying, we're praying with or for others. I'll tell you what, it is building a unity so that when you go back to work, you're in a better place of mind. When, when, just when you go out to hang out, you're, you're in a better state of mind than before. The second thing that happens when we're praying and connecting with others is that I believe that it allows a greater opportunity for their lives to be impacted than if you had never prayed for them. So when we pray with or for others, I believe it allows a greater opportunity for their lives to be impacted. Who of you would not be here today if it wasn't for that praying mom in your life? For that praying dad, for that praying grandma, praying whoever person in your life, where would you be at today? When I think of my family, I, I think of where, where would we be if it wasn't for Mago? And I know my parents could say amen to that, right? I mean, I'm not sure where our family would be today if, if years and years back, my grandma was not the mighty woman of God that she is. When I think of those 40 prayers that Paul wrote out during the New Testament, where would all those people be? Where would the church, us, be today if we're not for all the prayers of the older saints? When we pray for others, I believe we are unlocking a door of incredible blessings that may not have been open to them otherwise. Think now who may be missing out on those blessings in your life. Who may be missing out on their opportunity to receive from God in your life because we're not praying for them? Let that be a sober thought for us and drive us to pray for others, to connect for others. The third area now that we're moved to, the third arrow, area that, that, that I have seen impacted in my life due to prayer is the arrow pointing down. And that downward arrow is a symbol of a foundation that I believe has been made laid in my life due to prayer. I believe that a person who prays often and consistently is a person who is ready for what life throws at them. Because of those consistent prayers, it has helped them develop a spiritual foundation in their life. As Phil mentioned last week, Paul was faced with many trials in his life. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked out at sea. He faced opposition everywhere that he went. He was locked up, thrown in jail, thrown in these dungeons for times and times on end. And I think to myself, how did Paul not just give up and say, this is not worth it? Because I know if that were you or me, we would say, no, this is not worth it, God. I'm sorry. All right? I'm not trying to be shipwrecked at sea, being stoned to death, being thrown in prison, have everyone hating on me everywhere that I go. So I think, man, how did Paul make it through? And I can't help but look back at those 40 letters of prayers that he wrote out and believe that those prayers and the ones that we did not see had such an impact on his life that it gave him the endurance and the strength that he needed to go through whatever he faced. Because those prayers over time, consistently praying, developed a spiritual foundation that 
He was ready for it. Matthew 26, 41. This is the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He just had his last supper with his disciples. And then he takes with them uh, Peter, James, and John and goes to the garden of Gethsemane. And and he's crying out to God there, just like Jerry was talking about earlier, for God to take this cup away. But before he made that cry out to God, he asked his three closest disciples, saying, hey, keep watch. Stay awake and pray with me. Let's read that together in Matthew 26, 41. Here it says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is telling Peter, James, and John here that watch and pray with me. I am in a desperate point in my life. I'm about to die, and I need you guys. So stay awake. Pray with me. And there's two takeaways here that I got from this moment. Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So the first thing that I got from this moment was that prayer is vital to defeating the temptations in our life. Because the only way that we're going to defeat those temptations is having that spiritual foundation that we've set through prayer. So are you tired of dealing with those temptations in your life? Are you tired of falling into the same temptation over and over again? Jesus is telling us here in this passage to pray. Stay awake. Stay awake and pray. And you will overcome those temptations. When times get tough, do you give up easily? Become lazy? Or try to figure it out all on your own? That is giving in to the flesh. And here in this passage, Jesus says the flesh is weak. So what we need to do is pray and rely on the Spirit. And I know that I struggle in this area. Whenever there's an issue or a problem that comes up in my life, I am fix-it Felix. I mean, right away, I'm just thinking, all right, well, what needs to be done? How do I fix this? How do we move forward? When really my first reaction needs to be, no, pray. Pray, God, what's going on right now? What are you trying to do right now? And really, Jerry is the best example for this. I know whenever we're hit with anything, here I am running around with a, just like a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure it out. And I, and I know exactly where to find Jerry. In our bedroom, in this little section on her face. Guaranteed. That's where she is every time. Whenever we have a problem, she is crying out to God. So I'm telling you right now, for those of you that, that, that know Jerry, why she is so able to go through all the hard things that, that, uh, that uh, she's experienced in life, man, prayer has developed that spiritual foundation for her. I wants to do the same thing for you guys. So how we're not going to fall into temptation again is by having a a foundation that's been built upon prayer. The second takeaway that we get from this moment here is when we have a foundation that's built on prayer, not only are we stable from it, but others are stable as well. Others can rely on us and be stable as well. And just a little earlier in Matthew 26, verse 38, it says this. Then he said to them, Jesus says to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So this is a moment Jesus telling them, remain here and watch with me. Pray with me. Jesus was in a desperate need in it and, oh, sorry. Jesus was in a desperate need of his disciples at that moment. And at that moment, did they have a spiritual foundation built on prayer? No way. Because guess what? Jesus comes back to them and they're all sleeping. 
And he says, you guys can't even stay asleep for one hour to pray with me? They were sleeping when, when their leader, their best friend, needed them most. So my challenge for us, or as Pastor Phil likes to say, fasten your seatbelt signs coming on right now. Get ready. Get ready. Who are we sleeping on in our life right now? Look at your life. Who are we sleeping on? Who is in desperate need of our prayers right now and not receiving the help, the comfort, the console that they need because we don't have the spiritual foundation that's been built upon prayer. And they can't rely on us in their time of need. Tell you right now, spouses have a spiritual foundation that's built on prayer. Because at one moment, you're going to be going through something. At the other moment, your spouse is going to be going through it. And you guys are going to rely on each other. You're going to need each other. And if one person doesn't have that prayer life that's been, that, has, that has developed this spiritual foundation, it's going to be unstable. It's going to be unstable. But if both of you guys are committed to praying, to, to having that spiritual foundation of prayers being built in your life, no matter what you go through, one day it's you, one day it's her, you guys are going to be all right. Because on that day that you're having a bad day, you're going to be able to rely on them. And on the day that you're having, or, or, or that they're having a bad day, they can rely on you. Yeah. How beautifully fulfilling is it when you've been in your prayer closet, you've built that foundation, and when someone is in need, and the Lord uses you in a mighty way to help them when they need it the most. It is incredible. And to be honest with you guys, that's probably what hurts me most when I look back at my life, think of those Kansas years, and think of, wow, God, what did I miss out on? Or who missed out on behalf of me because prayer was not important then in my life? It hurts me. It hurts me to think of how I hurt Jerry because prayer, because I had no spiritual foundation to stand upon. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for others. Let's pray with others. Let's build that spiritual foundation so that we're going to make it and others are going to be able to rely on us to make it as well. And the last arrow here that we're going to talk about, the last area, the fourth area, when I look at my life and how, how prayer has impacted it, is pointing up. And it's the connection that we get to make with the Father through prayer. The most important arrow to me. When we pray, we are connected to the Father, the creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you have dreams? Do you have hopes? Do you have ambitions? Do you have goals for your life or for your family's life or, or, or things that you want to see change? Then the answer is prayer. There's one person that has the answer and there's one way to get it. It's through prayer. Being committed, not giving up when you don't have the answers. Being committed to prayer. One of my professors in seminary school, Dr. Steve Korch, he, he uh, says this, or he said this uh, during class one day. He said, no one has ever moved greatly without first hearing deeply. I'll let that sink in for a moment. He said, no one has ever moved or done anything in their life of any means, did anything great with their life without first hearing deeply. And how do you hear deeply? You only hear deeply through prayer. Being on your knees, being on your face before God, taking time out of your day to say, you know what, God, I'm not too busy for you. I'm not too tired for you, no matter what it is, no matter what you struggle with. But God, I want to hear deeply because I want to see great things happen in my life. 
I want to see great things happen in my spouse's life. I want to see great things happen in my kid's life, in my family's life. Well, there's one way to do that. It's by hearing deeply. You want to hear deeply? Let's pray. Let's pray. And how is any of this possible? Any of this progress that we talked about today? Only one, only one way, one reason why this is possible. Why we ever even deserve to pray to the Father in the first place. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So why we can make any progress in our life, why we can move from our past, move away from that shame and guilt, why we can connect with others, why we can have a spiritual foundation to make it through life, why we can't connect with the Father is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because of what he did for us, like Phil said, that veil was torn. Now we have access to the Father that when you pray, he hears you. Now that Jesus died for us, He took our sin upon him. He died on that cross. He rose again on the third day. Now he's our mediator. He's our mediator. He is on our behalf. He's on our side. When we pray, he is on our side. He's on our behalf for God. He's our mediator. And who else would you rather have? My question is, what are we doing with this great privilege of having the Son of God as our mediator. What are we doing with it? Seatbelt sign again. If we're not taking advantage of prayer in our life, then what we're saying, what our actions are saying, is thanks, but no thanks, Jesus. I know you went through a whole lot, so I can pray and have this access with the Father so that you could be my mediator, but it's just not that important to me. I'm too tired. I'd just rather sleep. I'd just rather get that extra sleep in before I start my day and go to my busy day at work, come home, take care of the family. It's not easy, guys. I'm not here trying to chastise you, make you feel bad for, 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 for your prayer life not being where it is. I have that struggle as well. But what I'm saying is, if we want that to change, and I believe that we do, because we want to see great things happen in our life and in those around us, it's prayer. That's it. It's that simple. We got to pray. We have to make it important to us. We have to realize that there's nothing more valuable in our life than prayer and connecting with the Father. That we're never too busy or too tired because everything else in in our busy life depends on our prayer life. That's our connection. So in conclusion now, I'm going to finish here with you guys today. Like we said, all this progress, all the arrows, whether it's pointing up, down, left, or right, it's because of the cross. That's the only reason. And we can't move past that. We can't skate by that. Let us never forget what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let that be part of our prayer every day where we thank God for sending his son to die for us so that we can have that access to the Father. One thing I've learned from having success and failures, many failures, you guys, in this area, is that it's only accomplished through consistency. It is only accomplished whether you, whether you want to move away from your past, connect with others, see things accomplished in your life. Prayer is only accomplished through consistency. 
Consistency. We can say all day long how much we want to change how, or, 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 or see things change in our life or in those around us or grow closer to God. But if we're not consistent, then we're just going in a circle. We're just going to be going in a circle, not making any progress, you guys. We got to be disciplined. We just got to do it. Like, that's it. Alarm clock goes off. We're not hitting snooze. We're getting up. We're spending time with God. We're getting our day started off right. No matter how tired we get, we have to realize that this is more important because the rest of my day, everything else in my life depends on this. And again, like I shared, I'm as guilty as this as anyone, you guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm preaching myself as well. And I can get so caught up in the business of life that while I might stay consistent in external matters in my life, I can lose sight of what's most important. And that's the consistency of prayer. Oswald Chambers says this in My Utmost for His Highest. He says this about the consistency of believers. He says, most of us are not consistent spiritually because we are more concerned about being consistent externally. The great basis of, of his consistency was the agony of God and the redemption of the world, namely the cross of Christ. Now listen to this. State your beliefs. State your beliefs to yourself again. Get back to the foundation of the cross of Christ. Get back to the foundation of the cross of Christ. I think that so many of us, we kind of find ourselves in this conflict, find ourselves in just that funk of life, and because we're going frustrated with our growth process. We're frustrated that we feel like we should be this type of leader by now, but we're not. And the problem is, we're, 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 we're just skating by the foundational things. If you will be consistent with what Jesus did with you on the cross and pray and meditate upon that daily, man, you will grow. You will grow into that leader. But you're never going to get there if we're not consistent with prayer, consistent with the foundational things, what Jesus did for us on the cross. So I want to encourage you guys, everyone here, 2018, let this be the year where we see great progress in our life, not because we tried harder, not because we, you know, figured it out on our own, but because we were consistent with the foundational things. We were consistent with remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. And because we, because we remember that, we know its impact. It hits us on a daily basis. And because of that, we're going to pray. And it's going to be easy. We're going to be eager for it. We're going to be hungry for it to pray on a daily basis. Let's pray together right now. Dear God, we are so thankful that we have this moment that we had this time where we're focusing on prayer the first month of 2018. And no matter where prayer has been in our life, whether it's been non-existent, no matter where it's been, I pray right now that we will leave this building, every person inside here will leave this building, myself included, and no matter where we're at, just like Pastor Phil said, we will want to step our prayer game up in 2018 because our life depends on it, our family's life depends on it, those around us, their life depends on it. I pray, Lord God, that we will realize the significance of prayer, that we get to move away from our past, that we get to connect with you, lay a foundation to make it through life. And connect with others. I pray, Lord God, this, that we will all experience that progress in 2018 because we made prayer consistent in our life. 
And that we will never, never leave the foundational things such as Jesus on the cross and what that meant for us. That he died for our sins so that we could have access to the Father. I pray right now a blessing over everybody here. That we're all going to leave here and be strengthened, encouraged, inspired to pray. To pray every day. To grow closer to you, closer to others. And to really to see it impact our life in 2018. And see great things take place because we're making prayer the most important thing. Bless everyone here, Lord God, with a great week, a great day today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. Have a great Sunday. I'll see you guys in three months. All right. Joy that you promised me, tell me it's